0: Today on American Glutton, my guest is actor, writer, director, Larry Clark. You can find Larry on Instagram at LClarkRealMe. Larry Clark, welcome to the American Glutton podcast. Thank you. So, you and I have been talking a lot about stuff in this universe, and we got on to body dysmorphia, which... I feel like I've, I've maybe mentioned it, but I've never gotten super into it. And it is is—it is one of the big, crazy, irrational, tricky things that I actually think many more people experience than we think about. There's like a couple things r- involving diet that I think is not really discussed very much and it's very prevalent and – One is like loose skin after massive weight loss, which for me, I just wound up with loose skin and was like, nobody said that this is going to happen. Right. And the other one is body dysmorphia. Like in my diet books that I would treat like uh, dogma, none of them said like, here is the way to love yourself that you could apply now. Or at the end, but you're going to need to start working on some of these principles at some point, or what's the point?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a psychological component, and, you know, hey, listen, I'm not an expert in body dysmorphia. No. I mean, one thing I was drawing— I'm not an expert in anything. Neither am I. I just was like, wow, that podcast, your podcast drew me in because I was like, wow, this it hits every— Literally everything that I've been obsessed about, as far as my body, since I don't know as long as I can remember. Yeah, I was body obsessed and uncomfortable in my skin, and uh, I didn't understand it. So anyway, I mean, I didn't even really know what this idea was until I Google searched it. You know, it's like, what am I like? What what category do I fall in as far as you know my struggles with perception? Because One thing I I hate is when people say, you're losing weight or that you look good. Right. I hate that because I'm like, "Eh, okay, because I know I'm in with that remark. I'm either going down or I'm going up and I don't like, I just want to be the same guy and I've never been the same guy. Yeah. I've always fluctuated. So I go, yeah, yeah. Okay. What are you doing? And everyone's very interested when you're losing weight and then they get very quiet when you're gaining weight, right? They're like, how you doing, Larry? Good. Good to see you. Hey, you look good. You know, you look like you are uh, healthy. You, you, you're lifting. I'm like, right. Not that. No, I haven't. I, uh, yes, I am lifting, but okay, that's not it. No, right. I'm puffy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm blowing up, and everyone's like, "How do you? Do you look? You look?" And you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, this idea of body dysmorphia is something that I think is a it's a very haunting. Subject matter for me and, and even thinking about it coming over here uh, and I actually was listening to a few of your other podcasts and fe- and I feel it come on while I'm listening to your – some of your experts talk. Yeah. Uh, some of the – when they start talking, sometimes I get anxious listening to the uh, the biomechanics of how to lose weight or – how do any kind of – when you get specific about anything, I get very like, uh, I can't handle this. I can't deal. Yeah. I cannot deal with this. Like I – you know, um, and you're stumbling into expert land because you've studied a, a, a great deal and you have a
0: – I have but I, I, I will say and it took me a, fu- a fucking long time to come to this and it was really like it's all valid – And none of it's valid at the same time unless I can use it in a way that it's valid for me. So forever I was like dead set on finding the diet that would solve me and because I just believed that there was something wrong with me and how I was existing and if I just put the puzzle together differently – then I knew there was some formulation where I'm solved, I'm fixed, right? And yeah. talking about the swings, yeah. th- the swings were massive. And this didn't really start for me until I was like 23, but the swings would be, you know, I'm saying up, up is going towards a goal. And then, and then it was always a straight shot and I could do the diet, lose weight. And then it was just like, well, now I'm fixed. And then it was just down in yeah. a sharp contrast. Yeah. And so now I don't think there will ever be a point in my life where it isn't some version of up and down, but I've just tried to pull that apart so it's not so severe. So it's just like a gentle, curving thing as mellow as possible because those sharp contrasts are hard. They're hard on you physically. Yeah. They're fucking torturous mentally
1: yeah and, and 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 there is some kind of i mean you can diet and exercise with self-hate and and this desire for perfectionism which is not sustainable
0: yeah and also i don't know about you but like i have achieved every single dietary goal by metrics that i've set every one and i've never had the feeling of like i did it
1: right not once Well, I remember back in my 20s, I I was so bloated. I was drinking. It was also – a lot of my story goes with addiction. Sure. And uh, because I'm addicted to everything. But uh, back then, I was doing local, regional, professional theater uh, in my early 20s, and I was playing middle-aged men. And uh, I looked middle-aged. I looked tired, bloated, had bags under my eyes. And I was hitting it pretty hard every night. I mean, I was having a blast. Yeah. I was working in the theater. A lot of New York actors would come down to Baltimore. And uh, I would drink every night with them in the bar. And I loved it. And um, But I remember the hangovers were so hard. And I would be backstage smoking a cigarette, looking in the mirror going, I don't want to go on stage. And I'm doing like you know, Uncle Vanya. It's like a dream of mine. And I didn't have the energy, the physical energy. Now, it was – Yes, it was the hangover. It was also the weight. It was the I was just eating everything. Yeah, I was eating out. I was spent. I was making five hundred dollars a week, which is a lot of money for a young man back in nineteen eighty six, and uh, I was living the dream. But I was smoking and eating and drinking, and I was a mess. So I remember after the season, I did like two seasons there, and then I said, "I'm going to clean out." And I remember cleaning out for the first time in my life, and I stopped. To smoking and drinking and eating and i ran every day and I remember i lost all this weight and i got clean i stopped drinking that wasn't a big thing yeah and that cut a lot of weight off immediately because i had this 20 year old body and this 23 year old body and i remember everyone going wow look at the transformation you're great and i'm like yeah and i didn't know what to do with myself i remember i got new headshots and i'm like okay there you go i look like michael j fox good all right i'm ready to go to new york right or something right and when am I going to – I remember feeling incredibly uncomfortable in my skin because I was like, when am I going to stop? When can I drink again? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm bored out of my brains. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So I remember my nephew was born when I was 24 and I was like, okay, well, I guess maybe that's the time. It's been 10 months off of – so I started drinking and then I went to New York and then the whole cycle started all over again and that bloatedness – and the, the eating and the weight gain and all that continued on. And I struggled with that until I was about 30.
0: This is another very, very tricky spot for guys like you and I to get into. Like you got a construction worker. Nobody at his work is, de- is depending on him because he's overweight oh. and yeah. puffy. That has nothing to do with his job. That's only potentially a hindrance. For guys like you or me, that's maybe our in. Yeah, to a lot of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that's we're, a, that's we're character th- guys. It's a thing. Character guys can get. I mean, I can work at any weight, pretty much. Even though, like I've heard on your podcast, I've been warned by agents like, "Don't lose too much," because right. I did a military role and I lost a lot of weight because I did it, you know, in New York, and they're like, mm, "You're looking a little, right. you know. <laughs> Come on, keep the money rolling." And uh, but I've I've never really like I, I I'm disgusted when I book parts and I'm pretty overweight I hate it I just hate it I hate looking at the the episode or the whatever um, I mean it's just it's very hard to look at the real and it's very hard to look at myself I mean my my if you I do this I did this thing I don't know if you've ever done this it's after my buddy Phil died. Uh, you did you know Phil Hoffman, Phil Seymour? I, I, I met him, but well, I didn't know He was a friend. We were pretty close up until I moved here, but I met him. I got sober with him. But anyway, after Phil, Phil was just like us. I mean, he was always going up and down. Yeah. I mean, he just blowed up and then he'd get really skinny and blow it up. But I, I remember after he died, they did this reel of his best stuff. It was 10 minutes long. And it's this incredible reel, and he's like fat, thin, fat, thin, and these, and all of his best moments were kind of lined up. And I went, "Fuck it, I'm going to do one of them for, for me. And why wait till I'm dead to do a retrospective? Right? I'm like, let me just take some of the coolest things that I've shot and just, I don't know, just put it together." So I did that, but uh, in retrospect, it is. It's like going fat, thin, fat, thin, then fat, 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 and then that's all I see. I don't yeah. even see performance. I just see, oh God, I was really fat in that one. Yeah, um, you know, I'm like, oof. God, I boy they, they put me in uh, my my white fat face in direct sunlight and they shot the camera b- below. I mean that's all I'm thinking about and I think my performance was fine. Right. No one else would be thinking this way, but I'm like, Ugh. I mean
0: that, I, that's why I can't I can't I can't watch anything I've ever been in simply because I look at it and it makes me uncomfortable because I'm just picking myself apart yeah. and then feeling bad and then feeling like why would you have hired me? I look Like, crazy. Like, you want to put that on screen? This is all the irrational shit that goes through my head.
1: So you don't look at any of your stuff? Nothing. And, and like, if
0: somebody says you want to come watch playback on the day, I'm like, God, no. I mean, if you want me to, like, be incapable of doing that again, if you're happy with (laughs) what I did. And now, you know, if there's somebody who's like, I need you to stand in this place and here's why and you can only see it from the monitor – then I'll do it, but I'm really trying to just be technical at that point and not even really look at myself.
1: Right. I, I can look at playback. I don't know. But th- that voice is always going to be there, and I don't know, man. Uh, I just I just wish it I, – I wish I didn't have that this struggle, even though, you know, when I first got to New York, I felt like a leading man – strapped in i mean tucked inside this body yeah so i would kind of confuse casting directors and i'd be like doing hamlet or something and right. they'd go you're interesting i can't get his vibe yeah <laughs> he's a strange he's a good look, good looking guy and he's got intensity and then finally I, I you know i met an agent and he goes just be the guy next door and you're gonna get some work you know you're the buddy Stop it with with the intellectual stuff. Yeah. And then it kicked in. And then I became the funny guy next door. Then I became the cop. And then I became all these kind of drab things, the way I was perceived. You know, there's a large – there's a large um, – you know, for for big character guys, you can play a lot of things. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, The guy
0: at the bar and the the cop. The cop is a great one. Cop's a great one. The next door neighbor and the best friend and the buddy and the brother.
1: Yeah. And you, we've never really hung out. No. you and I. I mean, and we've I, been to auditions together. I've seen you at auditions. And um, we worked together. We worked on Earl, but yeah. I don't remember talking to you.
0: No, I don't. I don't. I don't either.
1: I remember because you weren't in the scene. It was a court scene, and you were kind of. I remember you sitting in the sitting in the back. you were sitting in the back, and I think you were tired.
0: Yeah, for <laughs> <I'm laughs> sure, I was, I was tired. tired. Yeah,
1: and I remember being very uh, uncomfortable because Greg Garcia. I had given me that role and he wasn't laughing. Right. And uh, it was a pretty funny role. Yeah. And it you know how those sets get. they And you're a guest star, you come on and you're like, I hope I'm funny. And I was doing these big things and there's no laughter. And then Greg was like, do it again, do it again. And I was saying some funny lines and there was no, like, not even the crew was snickering. And I was uh, hating, I, hating, my, hating myself.
0: I know what you're talking about. And that. Was odd for me at first too, but they are all, and most of those writers come from multicam where you are laughing constantly, but they're now treating this like a movie, so we have to be silent. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So,
1: so the, it, well, I never really trust the laughs in, in, in multicam either because right. they'll laugh at anything, especially yeah. the audience thing, ha ha ha. They're, they're, they've all been warmed up and they seem like they'll laugh at you just say anything. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really ever trust that. I never felt good in multicam, ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. But, uh, and it, and Greg, I mean, without Greg Garcia, I don't think I would have been hired at all in Hollywood. He gave me my first job. Yeah. On oh, uh, Yes dear? Yeah, on yeah. Yes And I first came to LA. But I remember, I remember, you remember the line I had in that courtroom? I was going, he's, he's baby cooking crazy. And it was a like, Funny line and uh, just dead silence and looking at Greg's face, just staring at me. And that's a horrible feeling. I still haven't quite got over that. Oh, Jesus. You know, and I was, I didn't know Greg well enough then, but now, because I've worked with them since, yeah. now I know I would be like, come on guys, you know, this is, I'm i am giving you the goods. You right. know, everybody relax for God's sakes. Yeah. It's a and comedy. If you're
0: not laughing, it's your fault.
1: Yeah. Come on. This is gold. I mean, that's what I kind of do now. Yeah. But back then I was like, ah, "This is horrible. They're gonna fire me. I, this is, you know." But anyway, um, back to being fat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> back to being fat. This
0: is a state I think I will exist in forever, well, no matter what. I don't
1: know. You listen. You've had a pretty. You kind of broke something. You've had a drastic transformation.
0: Okay. In you know, 2012, I weighed. 50 pounds less than i do now and i i was completely miserable
1: this when you were doing the um because remember tracking you after earl and you had lost a ton of weight doing the um bicycle bicycling yeah and people were taking pictures of you and yeah. i remember seeing that going what the hell yeah amazing
0: yeah i was getting followed by fucking dudes on on uh you know Mopeds with cameras taking pictures of me while I rode a bike around Los Angeles, going like, "Leave me alone." Yeah, and and by the way, the real shitty thing about that experience was there wasn't an article that said, "Look how great he looks." Not one. It was all like, "Look at the loose skin around his legs," and this. Oh, is it, the, was? Yeah, I it was. Yeah, it was. It became shit like that, which made me go like, "Well, f all of you guys." You know, yeah. I mean, I don't think that that was the main. Reason I felt uncomfortable, I think i I just feel listen i've been the i've been a big person my entire life, and so being smaller than I am now, I just didn't feel right it didn't feel right to me, yeah, you know,
1: I just remember seeing you and thinking that guy's a good actor because you do the the kind of acting that I like and the kind of comedy I like, which is very real and very dry, yeah. And I think dark, but especially with Earl, I was telling you, you could like like hang in the pocket there and just get a laugh. Yeah. And listen, Greg doesn't hire people for no reason. Right. Like that guy is smart. And it was funny. I was listening to his podcast again and I was thinking, God, Greg's pretty damn funny himself. Yeah, he's great. He's and the best. I learned more about him during your podcast. Than I've ever heard because he doesn't talk that much and and he's a pretty private guy and you got him pretty chatty here yeah you're kind of like Howard Stern in that way you're very good at like eliciting eliciting conversation yeah just good at eliciting I mean getting things from them but uh, what was I saying about Greg I don't know I'm going to say something
0: what do you do for the feelings any feelings of negativity like if you you
1: you mean as far as in life or on set in life well, well i mean look i, I both cuz work is part of your life you know i feel very once i get on stage i don't care what i look like i'm pretty confident because i'm at home yeah like i feel i feel very comfortable in front of cameras regardless of what i look like because generally like <laughs> i remember my my <laughs> my dad would always call me fat uh, from the earliest age, my first name when I was born was Fat Baby. That was my nickname. Right. Fat Baby, you know. Uh, but he would always check in during my career. Hey, look, kind of, kind of heavy there. Really? Oh, yeah. I'd get that a lot from him, always specifically dad. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but uh, he, <laughs> I'll never forget this time I came back from doing a play at the Long Wharf, and every night, um, I think I was in decent shape when we started, but it was the winter. And every night we all had after the show, which is always a big problem in acting, after the show. Right. Like uh, coming down. To me, the coming down, leaving set, All when I'm by myself, that's when I have a problem with eating and going to sleep. Yeah. That's my real struggle. But after the show, I'd eat these chicken tahini sandwiches that we discovered. Chicken tahini you know, it this minute, fantastic. oh my God, it was, really, it was, it was cold. And I'd eat these, I ate one of the sandwich. And like, look at me another one. So I did that every night. And, and, and then the rest of the cast started talking about it. Then we all got fat together. Everyone got fat, except I got the fattest. Right. <laughs> and I got so fat that I came home that I, I saw my dad and I went, Hey, I just haven't seen you in a couple months. And he went, Oh my God, what's wrong? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, your face, it's it's exploded. Right. Like, he thought something was wrong. Like, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. Listen, I've thought about this uh, quite a bit too. I was on diets my whole life as a kid. But it was more that it was these, – these were mostly presented to me as though I was sick – and we're going to see a nutritionist, and the nutritionist is going to make me well. It wasn't like you have to do a diet. There was one ultimatum my father gave me when I was 10, which was if you weigh 200 pounds, I'm going to control everything you eat. And my kind of reaction to this was like, oh, yeah, watch this, buddy. You know, and then and then it was all this whole thing of like, well, let's see this nutritionist and let and they'll tell us what to eat and then we'll just eat that, but it wasn't so it wasn't so aggressive and and I think I think what happened is I just got so big, you know, at a certain point people just were just like, "Jesus, this is in so much we don't know how to talk to you about this." You know what I mean? Right. Well, and you're
1: a big guy too, so yeah. you could hold it. And I, a lot of people wouldn't. If I have a forty pound gain, people won't notice as much, or they'll be shocked if I tell them my weight. Right? They're like, "Holy hell, really?" Yeah. Uh, so I imagine you. I mean, you were you're taller than me, or at least you used to be. I,
0: I I'm six one.
1: Okay. Well, I'm with fairly good, with six. good
0: posture. You yeah, know, exactly. I slouch a lot. Yeah, we've got to do that, and then we can be our real heights. And I also think I had some fat under my feet, so I think <laughs> fat I actually feet. shrunk a little sure. bit. Yeah, yeah. You really gain weight like,
1: under your feet. Sure, I that, that happens that's a lot. True.
0: Yeah, like a full it's inch, a thing. maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I never really knew my weight when I was a teenager because the scales. It
1: just didn't go that high oh geez anymore. oh my god that's yes. well all i know for me is when i was in the fourth grade they put me on weight watchers there were four of us they pulled out of our classroom for whatever school reason school put you on school weight watchers. did wow. yeah public school in beller maryland they're like you're gonna be in the weight watchers club and i was 80 pounds or 80 i remember i lost no i was 84 pounds and i lost four pounds on Elementary school weight watch. Jesus Christ! And I remember feeling really like, why is anybody else here? Why is it just me? Right. Like I was like, my buddy Matt. He's he's kind of he's not here, but he was he looked bigger. Um. And I, so anyway, uh, you're husky, Larry. And anyway, it was just um is always an issue. And then I had a growth spurt, which took care of things from seventh grade till I would say about eleventh. Yeah. Where I was like, hey, I kind of eat and do whatever I want. And I played sports and I was generally then okay. You,
0: yeah, then you really can do whatever you want. Yeah,
1: and you play sports. And then I hit college and then the freshman 20 kicked in and then I, they, they, you know, all you can eat college dormitory food. That was like a revelation. I mean I was like I can have as much chocolate pudding as I want. right. <laughs> they're like, yeah, and there's no one here to tell you whatever. Yeah. Just go ahead. You can put it in a bag and take it home. <laughs> and I was like, as much Captain Crunch as I want? Yeah. They're like, go for it, dude. And I got so fat. Yeah. And then I drank a lot more and then I don't really feel like it ever stopped. I mean, I, I stopped drinking early on but I have, think, I have to say a lot of my vanity was involved in getting sober. Right. Because I'm Irish, right? Irish stock is, I don't know what it is. It was like a, it was a, uh, there's an attraction – what do they say? There's a um, – you're allergic. There's an allergy. Uh-huh. Like alcoholism is like an allergy of sorts. So you're drawn to something that you you shouldn't take. Sure. Anyway, so I think that yeast and stuff, I blow up and I get – I mean God knows what I'd look like right now if I was still a drinker. I would just be this like bloated red guy and I hated that look. But that – didn't take care of it. Like a lot of people, if they just stop drinking, I'm sure people are listening. They're like, if I don't drink, I'm okay. Like that's just wasted calories I put in my system. I don't do that anymore. You know, now I can't even dream of drinking that many calories. Like drinking six, eight beers, which is what I used to do. Sure. I mean, God
0: almighty, what kind of an ingestion – no, but uh, but these are normal people you're talking about. Yeah. We are not normal people. <laughs> no, I go – I I've sit with my wife at dinner and she doesn't finish her glass of wine and I have anxiety about this. I'm like, what are you doing? You got to just slam that last bit. Like you're, we're going to leave and you've got wine in your glass? This is insane.
1: Yeah. Th- uh, or with me, I, I would through. be like, why aren't you ordering another wine and we, let's make a night of it? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, start off with two glasses. Yeah, and then let's 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 go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a let's keep the party going guy. Yeah, you know, which is, I mean, you know, it's funny before before coming here, it's almost like it's almost like coming to confession sure. for a, like I got to go see Ethan and confess like this, like
0: talk about <laughs> stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just think the stuff that I've been thinking about that I've avoided, or you know, these. I mean, because this particular issue is so hot. Yeah. It's so big, it is so life defining. And I'm fifty six years old and I kind of feel like I'm just beginning to look at it differently. Just like just beginning, even though, like you, I've been engaged in various diets and exercise whatever I've been trying to do to get to this point. But but I look at like I look at the life of, of Farley or Belushi. I am just watching a Belushi I saw retrospective. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. And every time I I see those guys, I go, That's me. Because I I shared so many of those same characteristics—the overeating, the, the hyper-dramatic uh, drive, like I, I uh, the living for whatever they're doing—you know, throwing your life away, compulsive smoking, the 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 sex aspect—they couldn't get enough sex, they couldn't get enough drugs, and uh, and then it just blew up, they just exploded. Yeah, and I've always felt like I mean, we've had different careers, and I've always feel like it was. Whatever career I haven't had, I feel like it has helped me stay alive. Yeah, because oh,
0: a hundred percent. I couldn't have handled sure. it. Me I could either. not no, me have either. handled it. Yeah,
1: like I met. I remember I, I met Chris Farley a couple times, and I saw him originally at Second City, and uh, I was actually checking out Second City because I was going to study there, and I remember seeing him on stage, and I and how. Huge he was, but at the same time, the very the very first sketch he used to do, and evidently it was a classic because it was a classic night. Sometimes they would do their classic end of the week ones where they would do their stock characters, and his evidently was Whale Boy. Uh huh. <laughs> and they'd go, it would be like this upper class party, and they'd go, "Where is he? Oh, Whale Boy! Oh, jeez! Right? And then he'd go, oh, uh, uh, and there Chris Farley came in on stage. Doing a flop on his stomach, yeah. But still, an acrobatic move like you can't believe he comes flopping on stage, doing this thing, and and then he go oh, and everybody couldn't take the sound of Whale Boy. That was kind of the joke, and it was like a three minute sketch, yeah. But I remember seeing him going, oh my god, who? What is this force of nature? Yeah, you know this guy's going to be huge. And then the next time I saw him, I was waiting on him in New York City because I wound up waiting on everybody. But he used to come in to Fiorello's. I used to work across from Lincoln Center. And he and David Spade would come in almost every day after filming SNL or something. And I remember seeing, thinking, God, he doesn't look so good. And they looked a little out of it. And then years later, I remember seeing him at meetings. And then everyone talking about Chris and everyone had this worried look, you know. Like there were right. some people you're always worried about and you go, mm, I don't know how he's doing. How many – because you hear his day count and you're like, oh, he's not – getting it you know or he's like hey he's getting it he's doing okay you know and then and then they're gone you know like and as i just look at those guys i hear these stories and to me it's always been like this portent or this this warning to like larry you know whatever wherever you you whatever you've been given in life you've been given it for a reason and stay sober and you know try to stay alive like that's kind of been the thing like You know, I I feel like I've missed jobs because I don't drink. Sure. You know, like I feel like because I've had to give up this whatever, this lifestyle that other people can have. And, you know, I'm not really jealous of it because I've I've been on this road for a while and I've slipped on it, so I know what it's like to come back. And I I, I know I'm not – I know I'm lucky. Like I know that my propensity for weight gain – and my heart disease in my family and uh, that I'm just, uh, you know, a heart attack waiting to happen if I give in to my indulge. If I indulge, I'm just not going to be here. Yeah. You know, so but in this business, not hanging out and doing that thing, what, what have I missed? Did I miss that connection to that guy that who's like, hey, he's fun, you know? Yeah, man. I, the 90s,
0: I had a lot of fun. It was all fun. Um, very reckless, very damaging, but a lot of fun going to Hollywood parties, doing drugs, talking to people that was you fun. had a
1: big career in the 90s
0: the minute I got sober, I try to go to a Hollywood party and just be like i I am no longer oh, yeah. I no longer belong
1: here yeah at I hate them. all I
0: cannot do it I, I hate any
1: party now yeah
0: well, I mean, a dinner party I can go to, yeah. sit with my friends and talk. But, but yeah, like a rap party or something? No, I, won't I won't do it. Oh, I, can't God. Go. I can't. I can't. I, you know.
1: I, I strategize. Know. I go and I go, now let's wait 20 minutes. Now thank the director, thank the DP. And
0: then you're done. And then
1: say, good luck, everybody, and get the hell out of here. And I can sit at a diner and have a cup of coffee and enjoy myself sure. with one or two friends. Sure. Like that's my greatest fun now.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you, and I'm I'm totally convinced that this had some effect on my career, just because, you know, you're out with, I think this kind of dangerous energy people like, and if you do a bunch of drugs, if you had a bunch of drinks, I get that kind of thing, and you're talking to people, and that that does kind of that is a whatever networking, that's a version of it. At least that was the only networking I did was. Go out and do a bunch of drugs and go to parties and talk to people,
1: right? You know, but I, I think now about it is how do you how do you do that and be and because sh-
0: listen, well we, now nobody does it. There's no right, uh, you know. The auditions the, are on Zoom, so there's
1: no. But the the old days, like the 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 stories that I've heard, the very real stories I've heard about stars who indulge, and I've experienced some of it. and I'm sure you have too, where people are too drunk to perform. Yeah. Or they show up drunk. It's happened sparingly. I've seen it a few times. But like the idea, you know, in The Sopranos where, um, I can't even think. Um, Gandolfini? Yes. James Gandolfini would disappear for three, four days. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He would disappear on, on Coke benders. Right. And, I mean, that, I've, I've heard it from, you know, the people that were waiting on set. <laughs> yeah. And they go, where is he? They go, we don't know. You know, like, where does that... I don't understand how that can even happen. Like, like you're you're so lucky to get an acting job. And how do you get to the point where you're like, well, screw everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do coke for three days. Like, I don't, I I had this,
0: I was sitting in rehab at one point and I had this real moment of pride. Meanwhile, I'm 550 pounds. I'm a mess. I'm almost dead. You know, um, my legs are swelling. I've got, uh congestive heart failure like all everything oh, it's like there's nothing to be celebrating about and i was sitting there going well i never missed a day of work and this was my like i got that hey, i got something feather in my cap it is something know? yeah
1: but uh th- i've always considered myself lucky and being able to show up sober and to be able to do the work is you know that is a feather you know and yeah. i have never had the kind of career where i could screw up Right. You know, I've never had been able to indulge, you know, so anyway. I
0: don't think I have either. In fairness, I've never been the lead of a movie. I was telling my wife this story. I was doing a movie with Nick Cassavetes, who's also been on the show, who's a a fucking wonderful guy. And I knew him before because he had written a script that I was in, that I had a good part in. And then he asked me to do this movie. I go to do it. And this is the 90s. And I had to show up with a sober living coach who's then coming with me to rehearsals and at my side all the time. And and I was telling my wife, and she was like, how did you get away with that? Like, you're not the lead of that movie. How was anybody putting up with that? And I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I have no idea because today I'm barely letting my kids come to set because I don't want – to be perceived as somebody who's adding a distraction to work. You know what I right. mean? Let alone showing up barely sober, if sober, with a sober living coach going right. like, we're going to slow things down because <laughs> I have this problem and I'm 500 pounds, so it's going to be extra slow, you know? Right. I don't know how I got away with that. I still never missed a day of work.
1: Yeah. I don't know. and, and, and I And I hear – and I've seen – again, I've experienced it a little bit in Hollywood, but generally – Everybody in Hollywood is working for a reason. Yeah. These people – and they tend to be kind of good people. Sure. They're, they tend to be – like you, you, you talk a lot about positivity. Yeah. And they tend to be engaged in positivity. Yeah. I would say 90 percent of the sets I've been on of people who have their own shows are people that generally are curious, um, engaged, intelligent. And that and that's across the board. Sure. I that, agree. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm generally always impressed with that. Uh, how and so the inverse of that, because I'm a negative guy and I struggle with positivity. Like, I it, it's it's tough. Like, it's definitely something that I wake up in the mornings and it's dark, and I I generally have to go. Hmm. Oh, that's right. I got a kid. There she is. Okay, There's something. to Be positive. Oh, there's coffee over there. All right, I got something to live for. Right. You know, what I mean? yeah. like I, that's how my days start, and yeah. that's every day. I go, oh, that's right. I think I'm being considered for something, aren't I? Hey, that could change. Uh, I might make some money. Right. Oh, I didn't get it. Oh well, big deal. But uh, but that's generally how I kind of clunk along yeah. in life, and it's always been that way. Uh, the only thing I'm not doing now is enhancing it by. Okay, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not struggling with the hangover anymore, but I've been tricked. Along the road, like, so for example, I'll give listen again, it's the confessional. I'm confessing to you, Ethan. Yeah, tell me. Okay. Uh, I have ADHD. Okay. So I have a hyper brain. And so, like, when you mention your books and reading all those books, I'm very jealous because I can read portions of books and it's like nails on a chalkboard. I can, I have, I can read like top sentences and then i get the gist of it like i'll go ah there's the first sentence i get the gist of that paragraph, and then i i I jump around on words it drives me crazy yeah i will say the
0: the meat of the paragraph usually comes after the first sentence thank you yeah
1: thank you that's hey i just learned that today 56 (laughs) but so i have adhd so i had it i was and and, and and i've been with my wife now for 14 years and we were seeing a couple's therapist and he goes I was telling my mate and he goes well there's drugs for that you know and I go you know what I've been trying to like do the sober answer or whatever through the in the rooms and recovery whatever that is it hasn't worked like i'm uncomfortable like i'm i don't like the way my brain works yeah. like i love it when i'm doing a project if I, like if i'm directing or if i'm writing or something when it's being engaged i'm happy i'm yeah. generally pretty good but it's living with myself afterwards that's that's the hard part and that's where i wanted help with so he's like there's a drug for that so he's like mm-hmm. so he sends me to a an adhd specialist and he essentially gives me speed okay and i've been sober for years. at that time i was sober for 16 years but i you know i'd stopped going to meetings out here and i was like whatever what is this stuff he goes well um it's called focalin and he, this guy's a little bit, it turned out he was a bit of a doctor feel good. Like right. he would give you a prescription for Focalin to anybody, right. you know, but he goes, well, if you have ADHD, once you take this drug, you're going to feel better. If you don't, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Let's see how you feel. He goes, I have a feeling you're going to feel good. right? And I took it and he goes, I go, I feel good. He goes, well, it's up it up. And I go, okay. Yeah. So of course I max out on that stuff. You know, I'm maxed out on the focalin, and then I'm like, "Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm feeling really good now. I'm feeling very. My ADHD is. Mm. And uh, so I'm drinking more coffee, and then I started taking B12s. I'm sure. like, I just want to enhance the feeling. I do better with speed. Yeah. yeah and then I started doing energy drinks. I started. Then they did, like extreme energy drinks came out. Then and then I would try to exercise, and my heart would be like, "Oh, I can't even. I couldn't even exercise. That's how juiced I was. Right. Uh, and then finally one day, and this was like over three, four years, I would say I was a wreck. And <laughs> my wife's like, you're, what is wrong with you? You're an asshole. And I looked at my, my counter. And I went, wait a minute. I'm taking Ambien to sleep at night. I'm living on this fricking drug that this doctor tells me I should take. I said, I'm on speed and downers, and I'm supposed to be sober. Right. And I'm out of my mind. So I I reset my days. I kicked all those drugs out.
0: How hard was that?
1: That was pretty easy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, folkland's not addictive. I mean, it's not like you – You don't, you know. But do
0: you miss that feeling of alertness or anything? Well, Well, I got
1: my black coffee. You know that. You know, I got that's my one thing to kind of you know help a little bit because it does help. It engages me. I feel good with things that speed up my system. It does well in my brain. But uh, it, well, it has been. I mean, then it's again. It's about after that. It goes to the next level of pharmaceuticals because, of course, I didn't stop there. My wife got pregnant. And I got anxious like that. Once she was pregnant, I was like, wow. Everybody, I mean, I had two friends that had stillbirths. That seemed to be happening all around me. I was like, wow, these these poor women had gone through their entire pregnancy. And then they they were all depressed out of their minds. And it's one of the most horrible things. I mean, the death of any child, but especially a newborn, is horrible. So anyway, I start going, how much control do I have over this baby that's growing inside my wife? None. Like what? Anything could happen. Yeah. How's the kid doing today? Is there a heartbeat? You know that, like putting the head—you know your head on the. So um, I went to the doctor, and she goes, "Why don't you go see a psychiatrist?" And he goes, "Well, you certainly qualify right. for just a bunch of drugs." Yeah. <laughs> so he started me on that train, the SSRIs, and I—I I went through every one of them, and uh, immediately blew up. I immediately put on twenty pounds, right, uh, and got this—that this pasty bloatedness. And but I felt great. Yeah, I liked those drugs, and I that feeling that anxiety went away. That lasted till last November, where I got totally fed up with this exercise. I mean, I've been exercising to get rid of that bloat. I had a trainer for almost four years out here. I was working three lifting, you know, doing everything I could, could not lose weight. Yeah, couldn't stick to a food plan. And my the the main culprit for me was like it's that damn Prozac, isn't it? And I don't, in retrospect, I don't think it was because I, um, I I had a a session. uh, I woke up one morning and I was dizzy, and it's a horrible feeling to have. And and this is I'd been on these SSRIs as long as my daughter's been alive, and I said I think it's time to get off these drugs.
0: Were those hard to get off?
1: Um, well, yes, in the fact that uh, I'm anxious now. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost immediate anxiety comes back. Right. Uh and then I was telling you like I said when I when I wrote to you I took myself off that drug and then I started feeling really bad and then COVID hit and I stopped moving. I, I couldn't go to the gym. And then I didn't know this but um I was in ketoacidosis. Acer- ketoacidosis. Ac-
0: ketoacidosis. Yeah. Do you have uh type 2 diabetes?
1: Well, I didn't know it until April. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I wow. fuck find- but I – <laughs> this is a horrible story. No. And, and again, we go full circle back to the weight. My last – I uh, I went to my doctor. This was years ago. The last time I saw the doctor, he, I go, what is this thing in my breastbone here? He goes, that's a lump. Is it cancer? He goes, yeah, it's not cancer. He goes, that's your breastbone. He goes, cancer never goes to the breastbone. Never. He goes, you're so fat. You're obese. So you've pushed out your breastbone, and now it's – see that? You bent it out, and that's what you're feeling. Wow. You have subdermal fat. And I went, oh, I'm not going to see you anymore. (laughs) Right, because that didn't feel good. (laughs) I I was like, I don't like this guy. You know? (laughs) Like, so I literally – and then he sent me this note going, by the way, your sugar numbers are crazy. You might want to redo it. And I was like, fuck you, you know? Uh, And I never took my sugar again. Right. So and then I was just seeing urgent care guys for a couple of years. Right. Like, this is not recommended for anybody. I mean, I'm, I did. In retrospect, I almost died. Yeah. Because of my vanity. All right. Like I go into doctors' offices and they take my weight. I don't. I, I look the other. I go. Don't give me the number. Because of lifting and stuff. Like, I like I, I hate the you know having extra muscle and that puts more weight on you. So I'd be like, "Well, how much is the weight, and how much is the? F- I hate this number because I never liked the number anyway. Yeah, because believe me, it was always it was always over two fifty.
0: <laughs> I spent years unable to get on a doctor's scale because they didn't go high enough. Like the the last time that's incredible, I got on a doctor's scale and they were just like, "Well, it doesn't go higher oh than this. God. So, wow, we don't know what to write down. That was when I just i am 'I'm ne- I'm not doing this okay.
1: anymore.'" And then, but it's the same thing. You and it's a part of the same animal. But obviously, that's an amazing. But that's, that's hard.
0: But I'm saying, even today, I won't get on a doctor scale because if. The number is different from the number I see at home every day on my scale. It's gonna fuck me up.
1: Yeah, it fucks my head up. As a matter of fact, I look away and I can hear the scale and I know how far the scale goes. Yeah, and it tick, tick, and no. I hear and I hear oh. it go tick 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 tick, and I go, I know exactly. I'm not you know, hello, I'm not, in denial, in denial. So uh just to button it, and why I wound up in the ICU this year was
0: um, what a year to be in the ICU, man. Shit, buddy,
1: I. I couldn't believe it. But in retrospect, I've probably been in and out of – since that over four four years, I think, I was dealing with diabetes too and I didn't know it. And yeah. my pancreas was either inflamed and coming – and then chilling infl- and – so I was getting these weird symptoms and illnesses. And the doctors were confused. And again, I was talking to uh, these – these, these local clinics. I wasn't seeing a normal doctor. And you have to see a normal regular doctor who can t- take all your information and give you a, a diagnosis. Don't go to urgent cares all the time, Larry. Right. But I didn't have time. You know, I was too busy. So I would run into urgent care going, I got this symptom. Well, give me something. And they're like, that's not a good symptom because I was getting these. Um, I got thrush. Okay. Do you know what thrush is? Uh, no. Well, it's a, it's a sore in your mouth. And you get white. There's this is called whiteness, right? Babies get it, but only babies and people with AIDS. <laughs> so I said, I haven't had another sex partner in, in quite a long time. And they're like, well, this isn't – they'd all look at me going, this isn't good.
0: Is this like a cold sore that has white around no, it? No, it's or a it's lesion. Like a, okay. It's
1: a lesion and it doesn't heal and it comes with this whiteness. And so anyway, they, I was like, well, I got to shoot a movie. I have no time to – they're like, go to a doctor. Because this isn't normal.
0: And you're like, you're a doctor. And I go, yeah,
1: you look like a doctor. This is good enough for me. Can you give me, just give me a drug. Give me something. Get me the hell out of here. Right. And don't tell me how much I weigh. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I treated the whole thing. Yeah. So they're like, okay. And so they gave me the antibiotics and it did go away. Uh, and then, but it was recurrent. And then I started getting, and then I shot my movie. I made a movie and I was sick the entire time, horribly sick like during the filming the post and again i threw myself into this work mode um and it wasn't until this last year right when covid hit this i don't know what happened with this lack of movement because everyone got this you know the stay at home and we i just sat in front watching the tv you know and um uh all of a sudden all these diabetes symptoms started coming up i'm like wow I'm drinking water all the time. I want to keep drinking, and I was drinking during the night, and I can't get enough sugar in my system and all these classic symptoms. But my head's still not saying diabetes, even though— I mean, did,
0: but did you know that those were diabetes symptoms? I it, Intellectually, but while
1: you're doing it, you don't think about it. Yeah. It's like because once you—that's the weird thing about having any kind of thing go wrong with your body because your experience of it is always different than— the idea of whatever the thing is, right. you know what I mean? Like whatever you think the idea of. I didn't think I had diabetes, but there I was guzzling water. I couldn't. I, every I couldn't sleep at night. Every two hours, I had to drink. Yeah, and I was craving chocolate milk. I don't even drink chocolate milk. I'm not supposed to drink that. And I was like guzzling chocolate milk. And my kids like, "Hey, daddy, that's weird. You're drinking a lot of ch- my chocolate milk." And I go, "Yeah, what's wrong with me?" Finally, I go see the doctor, and he goes, "You got to go to the emergency room." Wow. And he's like, "You're um." You're, all, you're like I was off the charts. Yeah, to the point where I walked in It was right before the surge in April, right at the beginning of April. We were supposed to have a surge here, and the ICU ICU people at Cedars were like, "Yeah, you, yeah, come on in." Right,
0: where all <laughs> like, we were hearing is like, "You're dying." Yeah, they're like, "Don't they're turning you don't away." Don't come
1: to Cedars. Yeah. There's going to be so many people here. They looked at me and went, "Yeah, we got room." Right. Wow. <laughs> you're you're pretty bad. Like, you know, and at this and then and then I did some reading and I was like, wow, I was this close to a stroke or a heart attack for a long time. Yeah. And I didn't know it. And um uh, and and that's just not being responsible. It's not listening to your body. It's all these things that have haunted me, this disconnectedness. Yeah, the um, I will put up with pain, sure. and then be disconnected from personal pain and ignore it. I mean, I was training when I was in acid key, You know, I was doing that, and I would lift, and then I'd go home and sleep for an hour. I passed. I couldn't stay awake. Yeah, and my trainer go, "That's not right." And I go, "Yeah." Do well. you
0: think a little bit of it? And I, I think about this a lot, just with like because the idea now, like if I woke up tomorrow five hundred pounds, I w- it would be so shocking that it would be. I would be on a mission to get weight off. That would be my number one focus. But because stuff like this, stuff like you're talking about, you didn't just go into ketoacidosis overnight. This no. is something that took a long time. And do you think that because it's these symptoms are incremental that we get accustomed to them to the point where it really sometimes does take – like I, I want, yes. I want to employ personal responsibility and I do think – That's the whole game at some point. But I also think we can become accustomed to these things to the point where we're ignoring
1: them. Yes. It's a little bit of the frog in the the boiling water syndrome. And that's kind of the – I mean if you think about an addict mentality, that keeps us in the water. I mean I think addicts have a a predisposition to taking a lot of um, personal pain. Uh, we can take a lot of it on a lot of levels sure. on a psychic level, on a physical level, and we can just bear through it. I mean, how else can if you think about the amount you gained like i you know if you look at how much even extra weight i 'm carrying even right now, maybe the extra 40, 50 pounds, if I carry that i don 't want to carry forty fifty pounds in my arms, but yet I am right. Why would I put up with that right Why would
0: I want to put up extra weight but it's the same with me, this is all subjective if we look at like the charts and the standards i'm 80 pounds 90 pounds quote unquote overweight
1: oh those charts are ridiculous i agree but oh, the the B, the, B, the bmi i stuff? totally
0: agree i totally agree but i think that there's a little bit of room there to go like
1: you just tell the doctor look at my guns come on right look at these guns doc. We, we also go ahead weigh we, the guns we
0: also <laughs> it also t- it, it's just this there's a weird time factor in accumulating mass and 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 you know physical stuff turning on and it's not always that we went to bed without type 2 diabetes and woke up with it in ketoacidosis and it's shocking yeah
1: you know you know what i do and this is this weird kind of compulsion i have and my wife will attest to this i take selfies because i i'm like how fat am i today how fat do i look you know what i mean like i do that and if you notice a lot of heavy people (laughs) do that on instagram you'll see these like because they'll find that even if you're really overweight if you get that one angle you look kind of thin yeah you know And so I'll change angles, and I'm fascinated by cameras and angles, and how how you can change your look, and how one you know how the just the angle of a camera alone can make you look healthy or sick, or lighting and stuff. So I do this thing because I you know I am a little I'm fascinated with where am I today? What am I today? What do I look like today? Because I feel so disconnected, and I'm trying to catch it before. It gets out of like, am I going to catch it before it gets out of control? Yeah. When really, if what I did, if I did every, if I did what you were doing, which is really showing up for yourself, Larry, committing to a plan. But Um, you're
0: not in the hospital, so you got to have committed to some plan.
1: Well, yeah, I did. I got out of it. Actually, I'm very healthy now, but and that's and that's thanks to modern medicine. There are millions of diabetics with type two uh and one of the main components of type 2 diabetes is being overweight. Yeah. And and weight fluctuations. Tom Hanks has it. Yeah. And I think he got that through the the drastic weight loss. I mean that's just me as conjecture. Sure. Uh, I think someone said that in some article. Um, but I think I've lost and gained as much weight as Tom Hanks has, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I've definitely gone up and down the scale Yeah, and I don't think the body likes that, you know, ultimately the body is like, ah, oh, I'm tired, you know, and my pancreas, I almost lost my pancreas during all this, you yeah. know, I mean, basically I had to work with a endocrinologist for the first time in my life. I have a, I have a relationship with an endocrinologist, you know, at UCLA yeah. and she's like, you know, this, I mean, she's very young, she's like 25 and she 's just like let 's talk about the numbers right. that 's all she talks about let 's talk about your whole endocrine system, and so i've become hyper aware of that, but these drugs are absolutely amazing Yeah. Though. they're they're um i mean I take one shot a week it 's trulicity you 've probably seen the uh, commercial for it, yeah. but it 's kind of a miracle drug yeah, and i don 't have to have insulin with every meal right, and I also take uh, you know glucophage i think that 's what its name is, but I take that with every meal. And that just assists your liver and damn, I got, I got healthy pretty quick. Yeah. And I exercise now, now I do cardio crazy every, at least an hour a day of stairs or bike, yeah. you know, and the gym's not open. So, um, and I've, and I've now I've got this weird aversion to lifting because I don't want to, now that I've, I, 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 I don't want to, um, put it back on. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Heck, again, it's a weird feel fear. Now I'm like, cause you, I've never really biked before. So it's only been since what, April? So I'm biking. It's only I'm not doing what you used to do. I'm doing ten miles. That's
0: fucking awesome.
1: Right? So it's fifty minutes, forty-eight minutes yeah. in my neighborhood. Yeah. It's a five mile course. It's
0: awesome. But I love it. Yeah.
1: I love the feeling afterwards and I feel good. And uh, I probably should go in and then just lift my weights, but I'm not. I it's I'm not I'm not, Ethan. And again, I, I'm, I'm confessing. I, I'm not I'm coming I, here to you. I don't think you. you
0: should do or not do anything. I think you are on a path right now that is in Going in the right direction. That's awesome. I, I do want to go back and talk about Please. just briefly selfies, mm. that kind of thing. And I think that's where we get into the ideas of body dysmorphia.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I want to say that if I don't do this every single morning as the very first thing I do, it screws with my day. And that is – I sleep with no shirt on Mm. and when I arrive to brush my teeth, my first thought is always critical and always negative about myself. That's just the way my brain works and I have to find something about myself physically to not be critical and negative about even if it's like, you know, hey, this mold doesn't have, you know, six inches of hair growing out of it. It could be that small. I don't know. That's been it sometimes. Sometimes it's my traps. I I I will often th- look right here and cuz you can't see a lot of fat on the traps and go like <laughs> that
1: Your tra- traps, th- especially your traps.
0: <laughs> I I will I will I will go like if I'm having trouble finding anything, okay, let's look at the traps. How are the traps doing? Okay. And I can build on that and have positivity uh-huh. M- much in the same way that but I worry sometimes because I've done this too with the camera. Every picture I've ever posted of myself at a gym or thing, it's always like – it's very surreptitious. Yeah. But it's very much – how's the angle here? No, it's not good. Oh, I sure. I have a double chin and this and yeah. that. And then – I think there's been one or two times where I've posted a picture that I know I look bad in, and I'm, and it's almost like a, an "f you" to my wife because she's <laughs> going to see it and say, "Like, what is this terrible picture of you?"
1: But I, uh, the difference between—I've seen the pictures on Instagram. You're looking good. There, yeah. they,
0: they all take work. They all take work. I'm not saying Photoshop because I don't know how to do that, but they're all working with angles. It's the whole, it's the whole thing. But. That never feels as good to me as finding something that I can just be purely okay with and building on that and going like how – because I think at some point – and look, I was talking to a gal the other day and she was saying she she likes negativity. Negativity fires her up. Mm. and And it was like about social media and somebody says something negative and she's almost like, well, fuck you. I'll show you. I'm going to just beat whatever you've said about me. That's fine if that's what works for you. For me, I don't like negativity. I like positivity. Yeah. And the better I feel about myself and the more like I'm doing stuff because I care about myself, the better results I have. So if I can start my day not going, I'm a piece of shit because so many of my days have started like that, uh, I'm winning. And, and I've been able to do this at various weights and feel okay with myself. You know, this isn't just like now I'm at this weight. I still start each day pretty negative and have to work my way out of
1: it. Well, I also think what you're doing, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, is that you're engaged in service.
0: Uh, That's, yes, ultimately I am. This,
1: I think this podcast is a service. I think you're reaching a lot of people in a really unique way. And if you're an addict, it's kind of the only way to get outside of ourselves and try to do something positive, and affect positivity in the world is really what my, you know, that's the prescription for my happiness. Left to my own devices, uh, I my it, I am self will run riot. I will literally just obsess over a selfie. Um, I got to put it down. And you're and you're right. I'm just like you. I have to force those thoughts but in the same sense I also try to reach out and affect some kind of positive change with with someone that's struggling I try to help them because it gets me outside of me Yeah, you know and I I, I, yeah so I mean I can I mean I really feel like you're doing a a great job of it here with this podcast and I think that you're I think you're waking up a lot of people who struggle at home that'll kind of like see your podcast and go hmm let me see what it, what is he talking about you know and your non-judgmental approach and because you're not coming in with any kind of like one fix all
0: there's nothing prescriptive about yeah, this at all
1: and because you let your whoever you're interviewing whoever you talk to you kind of let them say do their thing and so uh, it's multifaceted and there's an openness and a lack of judgment on your part, because you have all types of people on, you know, from experts to people, sufferers and whatever. Uh, uh, and even when you're interviewing them, I, you just have a generosity of spirit. Um, and that must be healing for you. Uh, I think it's healing for people who are listening and listen, it's, it's why I'm here today. I heard you and I was like, man, he's got a lot of, he's gotten a lot of strength out of this journey. He has a lot of wisdom because you only get that wisdom through pain you've been through a lot of personal pain to get here and to have these kind of insights and to be able to talk this way. I mean, you've walked the walk. Yeah, And, um, I mean, and so I feel good. I, like I get uncomfortable with experts in this field. So I went to see a nutritionist. This is two years ago. And, and she's best. She's fantastic. And, I, I meet in her home. It's up in the valley, and she's highly recommended. And um, she, uh, and I remember she started – her first half an hour was like – she goes, okay. And she's really good. She goes, I'm going to weigh you. Okay, you don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. She goes, I'm going to start off real simply with you, Larry. She goes, um, I want you to go home and eat what you want. He says, but – she goes, I want you to turn everything off and just look at your plate. <laughs> Just look at your plate, look what you're eating, and stop when that feeling comes. And I go, what feeling? She goes, you know the feeling. Well, you don't have to have another bite. Really, try to check in what, is sat- what, is- what satisfies you. And, uh, oh, my God. That was so hard to do. Fuck. <laughs> that was so hard to do. Uh, this and- is a, by the way, <laughs> this is a
0: huge part of my life now, <sighs> is doing that. Because, yeah, for 30 years, the TV's on.
1: Oh, yeah. The music's this, on,
0: the phone. Just
1: bump, 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 bump. Yeah. And, keep the distraction going and eat, eat, eat.
0: And then the signal, because much in the same way with drugs and alcohol, where for me, it's blackout. That's the line. Mm-hmm. And, and obliteration and blotto. The signal I am used to, or I have during my formative years come up with as that's enough is I'm either going to throw up or I'm going to pass out. That's it. I don't, this whole thing of like that moment when you don't need another bite, I steamrolled that moment so many times. Oh my God. It doesn't exist. So this, what I think (sighs) this is really valuable of being present, you know, this, this word mindful is yeah, real it makes cringy. me want to throw up me too it's a brutal mindfulness, word fucking uh, awful but but it's true it, it is you sit there and you pay attention to what i don't you're want to eating. i that's don't, don't want to feel
1: i mean that's what it comes down to if you want to really break it all down, i don't want to feel yeah i i don't want to think about okay that's enough sandwich like this is this is as good as i got last week i got a godfather's sub from you know, Bay City is it yeah, called yeah. Bay City, Santa Monica? Yeah, okay. Those are good. Oh, the Works, all right? Uh, oh, actually, I got it from O'Malley. He, all right, he okay. went down. He goes, "You want one?" You, I said, "Okay, all right." God, oh yeah. my god, oh my god. So, but this was my deal with myself. He gave me the sub. I got it. I looked at it, and this is a big deal during COVID. You know what I mean? If you get somebody delivering you a sub, sure. Like, oh my god, thank you for doing that. Yeah, that's quite an offering, especially that sub. Right. That I looked at it and I went, "Okay, that's not going to be one." That's not one. That's not just a. a I could easily boom, sure. pop that thing. Yeah, I ate half. I just ate half, and I don't even know how I felt. But I told myself before that I'm not eating the other half. Right, and the other half was dinner. Okay, that's as good as I got. That's last great, week. though. Uh,
0: Listen, for you know, people, mm-hmm. for people who don't have innate self control or who have trampled on their self control exercising some responsibility, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. I would, I would pat yourself on the back. Now I wouldn't pat yourself on the back so much that you're like, I don't need to do that again. Right. Cause that's possible. You know. And I
1: also can't go there every day. Right. I can't do that every day. Sure. Or I know what I'm going to look like. I know how the bloat starts and the whole thing. And I'm just, but I could, you know, when I, what, you know, when I'm, when I'm when I'm on a like for example, some of the biggest kind of psychic pain I went through recently was going through editing my movie. yeah, all right. And if anyone's ever been involved in making a movie, it's it's very hard and it's laborious. And I put on so much weight watching an editor work on my movie. I was it seemed like because time goes like by and you're always in an anxious because you know, you're always kind of going, oh God, how are we gonna save this scene?" Yeah. you know or I, did I get it and it's you're in a constant state and uh, so I was, we were always it always always seemed like I was like Are you guys ready to eat I think it's time to eat, eat. like right. it's been a couple hours and I remember the editor going no, i am I'm doing good I'm doing good I think even he noticed he was gaining weight right. while we were editing the movie yeah. you know but uh, and then sure enough you you know you start you know bringing that food in and you' you know you're sitting in the chair and you're starting to expand so um, I've got to watch it. That's all I know is if I get if I get any kind of momentum going with any kind of a weird food schedule, yeah. I'm in deep trouble. And it always feels like, you know, like that um that quote from Macbeth, I'm in blood. <laughs> I'm in blood steep so far that returning were as tedious as go over. You know, I'm in the middle of the blood river. Yeah. You know, and and you know there's no easy way out. Yeah. If I put the weight on, it's even fucking harder like you can't it's it's so much harder to put it off yeah and it seems like it comes on within days or and that's the crazy thing too because
0: technically it's easier to lose weight
1: you would understand that i don't understand that
0: i'm just saying it's easier to withhold like let's say gaining a pound a week is actually harder than losing a pound a week
1: Okay, I guess I can get my head around that. Yeah, let me ask Just you this: in numbers. How do you lose weight? What is the meta- what? What happens in the body? How do you lose weight? You.
0: you- you expend more energy than you take in.
1: But how does the how does the energy literally leave the body?
0: Oh, through your breath.
1: Uh, very good. You yeah. know what you're I talking mean, the, about. I mean, for the most part. A lot of people don't know that.
0: piss out a little bit, but, but mostly it's, all it's breath. the breath. It's yeah. all breath. That's like I think of it as the exhaust of a car. Isn't that amazing, like, this though? This is our engine. Yeah, that blows wild. me
1: away. So when everybody says when you're at the gym to breathe, yeah. that's why they say that.
0: Right. And I hate breathing. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Dude, listen, I've I've spent... Years and years – I I, th- I think I was like eight or nine and I was in class. I was the little fat kid and and we did this thing where everybody said um, we're going to – turn everybody be quiet. And we're going to listen. Oh, God. And now tell me what you hear. And one kid said, I hear the birds. And the other kid said, I hear the, the sound of the water in the pipes. And then one kid said, I hear Ethan breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and <That's> a- <laughs> from that moment on, I became an expert at holding my breath.
1: Oh, my God. I I
0: was – oh, and because I couldn't hear myself breathing. I was like, what? You heard me breathing? This is crazy. And so I – you know, walking up a flight of stairs, if there was another person around, I get to the top. No, no, go ahead. I'll be in in a minute. And I'm holding my breath and waiting, getting on an elevator, holding my breath. Um, I just became an expert. Yeah, breathing for me is something I actively tried to not do.
1: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean withholding withholding yeah
0: oh uh, I don't exist don't pay attention to me nothing to see here you know and,
1: and meanwhile you're 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 blowing up to the point where you can't be missed yeah you know right. what I mean yeah like, I'm over here don't look at me don't right. look at me yeah I, I mean
0: there's a there is a quite a bit of cognitive dissonance. To all of this, there's quite a bit of irrationality. You um, know what you – know, I it's remember – very human.
1: There was one moment and this happened. God, when when did Oprah lose all her weight? And I'll never forget this. She had the wagon yes! full of fat. i never forget that episode because I remember looking at her because she was skinny Oprah all of a sudden. Yeah. And that was a big deal back then, right? And that yeah. was back in the 90s, early 90s. It was a long time ago. It was a ago. long time ago. But that was a – like national news or something. Yeah. It was like, wow, look at Oprah. She's skinny. Right. And she had that big – she goes, this is fat. And I'll never forget that episode because she went – now, these are the people that, that – she divided her audience and was like shaming. Right. It was like she would shame people. Like they've kept it off and these people couldn't. And then she said something during the main – during that episode. She went, y'all, I, I can't uh, – Give up my chocolate cake or something? I just remember listening, going, "Ah, oh, you can't." Like you are going to be sitting with yeah, them, yeah, exactly. I remember thinking, "This isn't whatever you did to get to get all that blubber into that into that uh, wheelbarrow or the, whatever the thing was." I said, "I don't know if I don't know if this is the way to go because it's not the because she was always talking about the physical aspects of what she was doing instead of addressing the internal mechanism how her mind works yeah. because ultimately that's what's driving us because. No one's putting a gun to my head right. to open up my mouth and put food in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a simple act. But so, it, it, so I'm doing it myself. Yeah. I want it – listen.
0: I want it to be all up to us. I really, really do. I, I, And I think there does come a point, like for you today, I think it's all up to you. For me, it's all up to me. But I think for a kid – who is eating a standard American diet and learning about nutrition and being served Taco Bell at lunch at the cafeteria. And, and I don't know that at that point it can be all up to them because I think there is a lot of heavy marketing involved. You know, we go to, I say this so often, but we go to the gas station And with our gas, we can get five days worth of calories for 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. Fill the car with cheap calories, right, along with our gas. Our car will never get fat. We can overfuel it, could catch fire, (laughs) but it's never going to get fat. It's going to use exactly how much gas we put in it. Then we have to put more in it. We don't have that same thing. We put too much energy, fuel into our bodies. Our bodies go like... I can't use this. I'll save it for later. And then, you know, sorry, we're wealthy Americans. There's no later. Right. We, we haven't experienced later. I, I know some people in America are experiencing a later right now. Like there's hungry people and lines at food banks, and and this is a real issue today. But
1: but everybody still seems to be overweight, waiting in line.
0: That's right. <laughs> it's a real. They're thing. They're not eating the right foods, or or they're or they're just there's just an abundant abundance of really inexpensive calories here you know and it's a bizarre it is thing. bizarre and, and so mm. it, so I don't think it's a hundred percent just up to us to not put the food in our mouth first we got to know the difference between we gotta know like I had no idea how much energy I needed
1: for a day I had no idea it took I still forever. don't. I mean you had that I don't know what that is it's a, but it's but a I thing. was sold a false bill of goods, all right? And, and I'll go back to the drinking analogy that I was told that I was supposed to celebrate. I could only really celebrate with booze. Right. I needed champagne. And was, with buddies, the only way to really hang out with my buddies and go to the ballpark and have a good time was to drink beer. Mm-hmm. And then after a meal, I was supposed to have wine. I was supposed to have a kanya. I mean, all this stuff I was raised with and I loved Cause it seemed to be a part of what I was, what it, what it was like to be an adult and to enjoy myself. I was like, okay, this is great, but I couldn't, you know. And I remember at some point when I stopped drinking, I went, "This has all been, this is all bullshit." I don't have to do any of that. Yeah, you know. I remember sitting in the ballpark, going, when I um, was drunk once, because I loved to drink, watching anything. You know, in the ballpark and be with my buddies and get out of control. I used to love that. And I remember once laughing really hard watching an Orioles game. And I remember the thought came. I said, am I having a good time (laughs) (laughs) or am I just drunk? Right. Like, do I really want to be with my buddies or is it just we like to really drink together? So a part of the experiment of my life has been uh, what is the false – a bill of goods. I've been sold, and I was sold a bunch of bad ones at the very beginning. And I think that's true with every American. Yeah. And food is the last great big, you know. That's the that's the big one that's <laughs> still being sold every day.
0: Yeah. By the way, to I'm, everyone, I'm not even saying there shouldn't be advertising. Like, I'm not even taking that moral stance. I'm just saying there. I can fully see a kid or or even a person who's grown into an adult who. You just can't. I couldn't say to them, "Just exercise personal responsibility. You'll be fine." Because maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't they have don't, no idea. It's you know? not
1: taught to them, right? Really? I mean, how can they, how can that be taught to them when they're getting their meals, even as an early kid, from a from, you know, they're being you know, um, they're eating McDonald's. Yeah. Like I have not let my daughter eat at McDonald's once. She's eight years old. She's never didn't even know what a McDonald's is. I, I, I'm so I, paranoid yeah. of her getting addicted to any of that crap. Right. And like I was like, I love that food. And I, I worked at McDonald's for four years and yeah. that's all I ate from 16 to, to 20, like 20 years old. That's all I ate. You know, I was kind of like that, you know, that, that. Show, what was that thing where he says all I did was eat McDonald's food? Remember that guy uh, that made that movie um, where all I'm he ate was McDonald's foods for, for 30 days? Oh, and, yes, yes, supersized me. Yeah, and he, yeah, me, that dude. And he yeah. almost died, right? Yeah. Well, I ate there for four years you know, when I was going through college and high school, and uh, I felt great. Yeah. I mean I just loved that food. And I do uh, too. The McRib is back, and I want one. Oh, my God. I was like – there's nothing like it. When I was growing up and you could go get your own hamburger, I mean that was – Having a hamburger in America, man, there's like it's, there's nothing more American than that. Yeah. Except now it's crazy. Now the food's everywhere. You know, these kids are inundated with it. Yeah. And and I and there's nothing sadder when I see a fat kid. I look at the fat kids now and there's so many. And these are 8-year-old kids, these are 7-year-old kids, 10, and you I just look at them now and I go, "Oh god, the life that's waiting you." I I don't know how you're going to – I don't know. I mean the odds are against you already. I don't have
0: I don't have any solutions no. there. I just I just know if, if somebody uh, gets out of bed one day and goes, what's happening? I don't want to be – I want a different state for myself. I think there's more to it than just, well, practice some personal responsibility. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I no. think for me that's pretty much the line today it is up to me of course i know enough to behave
1: in a manner that will but these kids are being taught that they tend to have fat parents who've taught that the way they love is through fast food through through quick
0: food i mean that was me I, i i was i was on a diet and cheating on my diet constantly every chance i got i would lie to my mom and sneak food and then on saturday or sunday my reward for being good on the diet all week was a trip through a drive-through somewhere. Yeah, that was it. It, sure. it was always food. Food was the reward, and 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 plus, this is also cultural too. We 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 have no lack of food here, and yet every single event is celebrated with food. You know, birthday parties have cake and. There's a big Christmas dinner. Thanksgiving is a big oh, yeah. dinner. You know, th- th- this is how we do it. Halloween is candy. Easter is chocolate eggs. That and not a just fucking food, rabbit but is endless food.
1: But B- buffet. Right. Like a buffet. The idea of a buffet is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. You know how much of a food can I eat? But yet in America we're like it's a buffet. Look yeah. at that. No one's going to tell me how much I can eat. And I'm like I can eat as much as I can put on a plate. Right. How many plates am I going to have? Right. The
0: but- first time I went to sizzler,
1: oh, as a kid, yeah, sure.
0: I was like this is not a one-time deal. Like I can just keep going back and they're like, "Yep, and you get a new plate every time. Just leave
1: your plate here. We'll clear it." There's plate stack of plates right there. You just go get whatever you want. I know There was another. There was another. What was this place I used to go to? It was all the beer you could drink and all the salad bar food you could – Right, and well, I,
0: we know we can do damage. I was with like, I'm going to do some
1: definite damage here, yeah. drinking as much beer and food at the same time. Yeah, it was Beefsteak Charlie's. That's yeah. what it was. And uh, I, had, I would wind <sighs> up with a
0: salad plate that was full of ham and cheese and oh, yeah. blue cheese dressing and peas and no lettuce at all.
1: Oh God, no. No, you go right straight to the most expensive things. Yeah. you going to waste your time on lettuce. Right. You know? Anyway. <laughs>
0: it takes up room. No,
1: no, no. I remember when I was little, my father would come back and he would go to bull roasts. That was a big thing back in the 70s. It was a bull roast. And, I and they tr- cook a whole cow? <laughs> yeah, they would. They'd cook a whole cow. Wow. And he'd be like, oh, the bull roast or, or the seafood, whatever, whatever the thing the church was doing, all the seafood you can eat. And I just remember being a little kid going, I want to, oh, I can't wait till I can go and And, and, you know, and have all the food I can, I mean, there was really nothing else to celebrate when, if, you know, you want to take this all back to love, you know, and I think that's a, that's a problem is that we pass on these traditions, you know, to our kids. But I also remember not being able, my, my, you know, I remember being like 14 years old and my dad couldn't, couldn't tie his shoes and he goes, Hey, get down there. Could you do my shoes? Because he was, his belly got so big, yeah. and because he he gained and lost a lot of weight, and he was obviously raised during the depression, so he knew what having no food meant. Yeah. So I think he struggled with that his entire life, and and then he kind of passed that you know judgment down onto his kids or to me because I think I wound up to pretty much being the last, but the fat kid. I was kind of like that that kid. But, uh, you know, that food is love. Oh, my God. It's like that's when I see these, a young kid, and they have to get to the point of, like, I know the road they're going to be on. Yeah. Because if you're eight years old and you're dealing with obesity.
0: It's fucking rough.
1: You're not going to be picked for the team. You know, Uh, the girls aren't going to think you're cute. You know, you're just you're you're not going to get involved in the sports teams later on. You're not going to; they're not going to select you to you know to to rush that fraternity because you're the fat kid, and people are going to make fun of you, and you're going to return more and more to food, and you might turn into to go to a road of addiction. I mean, I see all that, and I feel my heart just because it's an epidemic
0: yeah. in America. I look at the state of the majority of food in the grocery store, and I and I just go like. There's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. But if that's all somebody is eating, I don't know how, I just don't know how you feel good. Like, I don't feel good when that's what I'm eating. You know, a bag of chips, I'm fine. But if I'm eating a bag of chips three times a day with every meal or something like this, you know what I mean? I don't personally feel good. So, And it's just, it's a lot of fuel. It's a lot of excess fuel, and we now are more sedentary than ever. We have cars, nobody's walking very much, you know. And LA is all spread out, you would think we'd walk all over the place. No, I don't no walk one walks ever. anywhere. And yeah.
1: I see these electric mopeds, and, and even people are like, I got a new fancy electric bike. And I'm like, why would you want an electric bike? Like, uh. What the what the hell? Right. What are you doing on an electric bike? It's a motorcycle. It's a motorcycle. <laughs> right. I mean you're going forty five, fifty miles an hour on these damn things yeah. and you're not getting any any kind of benefit out of it. Even these scooters, they're dangerous and you stand up and you don't expend any energy. Right. And it's in any pothole and you're on the ground. Right. Uh, Maybe the energy is all adrenaline.
0: Like you're just so amped up the whole time.
1: You are. I mean, I've driven them. I mean, I, I've stayed away from them because, I mean, I, I don't want to break anything. I, I don't either. I've uh, never been on one. Yeah. Uh, they're fun. If you're down at the beach and it's flat, yeah. it's kind of fun. Okay. But they go 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Zero to 30. Like they're very fast. But what are you doing? Like you want to get to another point and not walk there? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, it's just – it's everything's – it's kind it's backward and – I don't see that – I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I think they say the millennials are very self-obsessed and that they are not the, the fat generation that I was a part of, which is the end of the boomers, that they supposedly have turned a corner in that and they're pretty – Good. Maybe they are. I don't know. But I, I've still seen a lot of fat kids. I, I don't know. I, I,
0: I don't even I – I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I just I, I just think that we, we got the information. I also think – Almost all of this, the intentions behind it were good. You know, we come through the depression, ton of people starve to death in America during the depression. So then they subsidize corn and beef and soy. And it's like, we got to feed people. Okay. So then we go down and now we're at this point where it's like, well, food is so cheap and so prevalent and we're, we're boosting the flavor of everything and enhancing in sugar and fat everything
1: that's what's changed it all the, the intention was good it was but it's all been about profit margins and making food last longer you know and getting pa- cows grown faster and chickens faster by putting hormones in them and, and that's kind of just thrown a big wrench in the whole works and i think it and is. then
0: and then top that off with like And we're going to figure out how you have to move less and do less. (laughs) And you just have a phone. You can live on that and communicate with everybody via text and Snapchat and all of this, you know. It's this confluence of That's unintended consequences. I, I think consequences. this is an amazing with the
1: steps and all. Yeah, that? with yeah. the steps, this has been a lifesaver as far as I'm concerned. That's I, the,
0: the in case you can't the see I watch. it, the iwatch, it's, it's
1: the iwatch, and uh, you know, and programming my workouts and getting little beeps, the little reward beeps. Yeah, um, I kind of live for that, uh, but it tells me how sedentary I've been. Yeah. And uh, so I will – it will tell me, get up and, uh, you know, go around the block a couple times. And it's effective for someone who's not good at natural self-care. I mean I like – I am like you. and That's my programming. I just don't go there. But I I – it helps. So it's a little bit of this – yeah, this darker technology that encourages me to watch and stay still or not to communicate or not to move as much. I'm trying to embrace it. Yeah. You know, for myself – I'm trying to turn it into a good thing or like you like you turn it into a calorie counter or you can right. turn it into a, a networking system to talk to other people who are struggling with yeah. uh, weight issues. Whatever that is, um, I'm trying to embrace the good aspects of the technology. I'm trying, man. Uh, me too. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. but it all,
0: uh, It's baby steps. You ever see What About Bob? Baby steps. Get on the – open the door he was so nervous about everything and somebody said just take baby steps so you got bill murray just going like baby steps baby steps <laughs> yeah, and yeah. everything is baby steps and uh, I, that's my mantra sometimes just the baby steps
1: well yeah no it's how you do everything you just gotta live in the solution is what generally i was taught that you can't you know you can think about if i can go to a dark place easily about anything but hey what's the positive aspect of dot 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 I, that's a, that by rote in my head is how can I turn this around and seek a solution and try to live in the, just live in the solution, live in the next step, yeah. whatever that is. And try not to beat up in yourself, you know, the, the, the try not to, like you said, you know, look for the, look for look the for look, traps, look for the traps in the yeah. morning, look for the traps. Yeah. But they're not hard to miss on you, man. Come not on. now. Not uh, now.
0: There was a time. Larry Clark, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. it a pleasure, man. Thank really you for has. coming in. Thanks. And now for the Q&A. I have a question for you from Steve. He says, I'm 5'9". At my heaviest, I was 435 pounds. I'm still early on my journey, but I'm down to 386. Fucking awesome. Steve? Yes. Awesome, Steve. On one of your podcast episodes, you mentioned that you have a goal of getting a six-pack. It makes me think about my own long-term goal. I'd like to be able to do a pull-up, just one single pull-up. I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to because it's hard for big people to do that, even if they're in shape. So my question is, can you do a pull-up? Hell yeah, I can do a pull-up. I can do multiple pull-ups. I don't often do pull-ups as a part of my um, exercise routine because I find that uh, smaller muscle groups get fatigued and if I'm like working if if usually I do assisted pull-ups when I'm doing when I'm working out my lats and my back. And I can specifically target those muscles better if I'm doing assisted pull-ups and get a better workout in those muscles. But yeah, I can do I can I think that I, I can't do many. I think I can do like five pull-ups. I don't know what the different ones are called. That's with my my hands facing kind of the same way as I am. Like if if a cop pointed his gun at you and said, hands up, and you put your hands up, and then I just reach my hands up and grab the bars, I can do five like that, you know, from full extension to chin above the bar. And then if I reverse my hands, I can do m- more. So yeah, that's awesome. You can totally do that. That is a, by the way, what a great goal. I, I remember when that was my goal. And what actually happened was I just... I remember being much heavier and not being able to do one at all and then losing a bunch of weight and somebody saying, I bet you could do a pull-up now and thinking, no way. And then I did one and it was like shocking. I couldn't do a second one at first and then I got up to, I could do five now and I can do much more if I, if I reverse my hands, I don't know what the different pull-ups are called. Anyway, that's a great goal. You can smash that goal. I would recommend doing lots of assisted pull-ups at a gym or using bands um, to counter the weight to build those muscles up so that you can eventually have no bands and no assistance. Awesome goal, Steve. If you would like me to answer a question on this podcast, please submit it to americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.